And the longer those ideas that you're like, yeah, that sounds like a cool career, but I could never do that. Like that's in your gray limbo zone. The longer it's in that gray limbo zone, it is going to suck away your energy. It's going to suck away your confidence. Hey there, I'm Goli Kalkaran, and this is Lessons from a Quitter, where we believe that it's never too late to start over. No matter how much time or money you've spent getting to where you are, if ultimately you are not happy, then it's time to get out. If you're feeling stuck and you feel like there's got to be more, there's got to be a way to feel fulfilled and excited about what you do, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I will sit down with an inspiring guest who quit their professional career in order to forge their own path and create a life that they love. Hi, welcome to another episode of Lessons from a Quitter. I am so pumped for today's show because I have the amazing Kelsey Murphy. If you don't know about Kelsey, buckle up because it's going to be a good one. She is an in-demand life and business coach working with some big hitters like Marie Forleo and celebrity nutritionist Kelly Levesque, as well as Fortune 500 companies like Facebook and Twitter. As we'll talk about, she now has a dream business where she brings in more money than her previous career while only working three days a week so she can be present with her adorable three-year-old little girl. She's also the host of the popular Whiskey and Work podcast, where she provides a mix of inspiration and tactical tips to get a life you love. But it wasn't always like this. I got to talk to Kelsey about her unlikely start in agricultural business. It's actually a pretty funny story. To her rise in advertising at places like Nintendo, GoPro, and Elizabeth Arden. It wasn't until her own dealings with a life coach that Kelsey began considering a career change. And it definitely wasn't easy walking away from a job that seems like a dream on paper. Seriously, flying to Paris and Italy for marketing campaigns and working with Bono is something that a lot of people wouldn't be able to walk away from. But ultimately, Kelsey listened to that little nudge from her gut and pursued the thing that lit her up. And today she has her dream career. She's really an example of what is possible if you're willing to step into the unknown and go for what you want. She's such an inspiration, so I will stop rambling so we can jump in and talk to Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on. I am so excited to have you on, and I can't wait to talk about all the incredible things that you do in your business today. But we like to kind of start back at the beginning. And if you could just give us a little bit of a rundown of what your career looked like before you transitioned into coaching and kind of what you did after school and what you thought you would be doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, It's always funny. I like to always go back to my college years Mm -hmm. because I tried to basically get into college. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And when I decided I wanted to go there because I visited a friend for the weekend and I loved it and it was beautiful. And, you know, at 18, not a lot of us know exactly what we want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's one of those colleges that makes you declare a major. And so I was like, I'll do, you know, business and marketing. Like that sounds like generic enough. (laughs) And I had talked to a bunch of people about applying to it and they were like, oh, you'll never get in. You'll never get in if you do business marketing. And I was like, oh, well, my priority is to get in. So what's the major to get me in? And I had a ton of people say, 
go with agricultural business. And I was like, um, okay. And they were like, and then just switch your major once you get in there. And I was like, okay. So I applied under agricultural business and I got in mm-hmm. and it was funny because I went to the orientation and it was like, Cal Poly is a very agriculture oriented school. It's very well known for its engineering and agriculture. Right. And I sat in the classrooms and I was like, surrounded by true, genuine cowboys. Like it was like, they like came straight off the farm and they were talking about everything from like the animals that they worked with to like their crops and (laughs) soil science and all of these things. And here I am this like Southern California girl, like looking around the room, like wide eyed, like, where am I? Like, this is bananas. Mm -hmm. And so like, I was like, oh man, I don't know that I'm going to love this. Like I felt very just kind of like the oddball out. And so Mm -hmm. I started at Cal Poly and I went to one of my very first classes was dairy science. And (laughs) um, yeah, and people are like, so what are your classes? And none of my friends were in agriculture. And so I, I went in and I took the dairy science class and I took the first like the first few days of it. And literally within a couple days of it, not only did I fall in love with the people because because I had never known people like this and I also fell in love with the cows. Like I just <laughs> like part of my job in dairy science was to go out and to take care of these little baby calves Aww. and like to pick what they were going to eat and to feed them and to name them. And I'm like, dude, this is like the secret best major ever. Like nobody knows about it. It's incredible. Yeah. And my mindset at 18 was like, do something you love. Like in my brain, I was just like, do what you love. Like I didn't really think like at that point in my life, whether this was irresponsible or not, I didn't really think like you have to do a major that you're going to use when you get out of college. I really had the mindset of like, I'll just figure out what I want to do when I get out of college because I don't know what I want to do anyway. So why not do something that I really enjoy? So I stayed in agricultural business for the entire <laughs> four years. Oh my gosh. Do, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I do nothing in agriculture now. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. All. But I loved it. I loved it. And I had the best four years of college and I met the most incredible people. And it was just, it was such an amazing experience for me. And wow. I love that because I think that is a good, I actually think that's the better approach because I know we are drilled in us to like be pragmatic and pick what's, you know, something that you're going to use later. And obviously, you know, you're spending a lot of time and money. And so people want that degree. But, you know, from the 50 odd guests that I've talked to so far on this podcast, typically what happens is you end up picking a degree because you think it's going to be useful and then you hate it and you don't want to end up doing it anyways. And you end up not using it. You know, I would say the majority of people that I've had on this podcast are no longer even using their graduate degrees, let alone their uh, undergrad degrees. And so, at least you got something that, you know, was enjoyable, that you had that time and you learned something that you probably never would have learned otherwise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would have never had that experience ever. And I, and I probably never will have that experience, right. you know, considering the line of work that I went into, the line of work my husband's in, the orientation of my family. Like, we're just not around that a lot. Right. So it was, it was really neat. And yeah, and nowadays with like the internet and with people being so willing to to help self-starters, like you can learn anything you want right. at any time in any kind of a way. You know, there's like a seminar and a, a week-long workshop and online classes to learn pretty much anything. 
So I feel like that decision to stick with something that I loved, even though I didn't know where it was going to lead me, I didn't see like a ton of future, but I was really happy in the moment. And I was happy for very grounded reasons. Like the people I was connecting with were these incredible humans that I knew were going to make me a better human. Like they taught me new things, you know, the things that I was learning, they were about nature and they were about these animals. And so for me, for whatever reason, and and I, I wish I could say like, oh, I had this life mentality of like, you can, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Like I didn't have that at the time. Right. I was just absent-mindedly following something that I really loved. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I did not always stay that way. I definitely got off course at a certain point. You know, I, I had these amazing few years in college and then deciding what I wanted to do after that was really, really, really tough, you know, because you start having those conversations about everything from like, well, what do you passionate about and what's, you know, your number one desire and where do you want to be in 20 years? And all of these like very pressurized questions, you know, that, that we often don't have the answer to, right. We have to explore our way and learn our way into discovering the things that light us up. But I felt very pressured and not by my parents or not by, I think anybody else except for myself. Like I wanted to know, I wanted to have direction. I wanted to have an answer. And so I ended up leaving Cal Poly and going into advertising. And I started at the very, very bottom of the chain. And I was like the assistant's assistant's assistant, but got my foot in the door at this agency up in San Francisco. And I remember again, starting there because I liked the way that it felt. The people that I interviewed with were amazing people. I loved them from the get-go. And at the time, this is about 10 years ago. So at the time, you know, you were wearing jeans and flip-flops and you had dogs running around the office. It was kind of like the new wave of that. And (laughs) I feel like that's so common now, but back in the day, it was like, what? Like, (laughs) you know, parents are like shocked, like you're not wearing a suit. So it was very cool. And I was like, this feels like my environment. And I will tell you the first two years I loved my job. I loved my job and people would laugh and be like, you're such in the honeymoon phase of your job. And I really was for a solid two years. Mm. Um, I loved the people. Um, I still love the people to this day. I'm very connected with them. They taught me a lot about life. They taught me a lot about how to treat others. And I got to do cool things. I was in advertising, right? So I was working for these incredible clients. And even being the assistant, I still was able to fly across the world with people. And I got to, you know, work on these amazing commercials, you know, throughout my career, I ended up working with people like Britney Spears and Bono and U2. And yeah, we got to do these amazing things like mind blowing and on paper, perfect, you know, like we were flying first class to Paris and we were doing focus groups in Argentina and like all of these really neat things. And I would say it about year two and a half, like there was something inside of my gut that just like knew this wasn't where I wanted to be. And I couldn't pinpoint it. And I think that's where a lot of us struggle because we want such clear cut answers as to like, oh, this isn't what I want to do because of X, Y, and Z. I should go after this for reasons X, Y, and Z. And it's never that clear, right? It's it's like a breakup. Like it's never a hundred (laughs) percent clear. You're always just like, you know, something feels a little off. Like, I'm not, you know, like you seem like a really great guy (laughs) on paper. This is really working out, but like, Something just doesn't feel like this is the end-all be-all for me. 
And I think what we start to trick ourselves into believing is that there's no end all be all, you know, like, and I can remember literally having that same conversation with like, when I was dating about like, you just want too much, Kelsey, (laughs) you know, like you're, you know, like what you want this quote unquote soulmate, you know, like what do you like, seriously, that's really like what you're holding out for. Like that thing doesn't exist. And you start to think like, well, you know, maybe it exists for these few people that I see it for, but I'm different because I have this history or this baggage or, you know, like I have, I have quite the emotional temper, you know, like (laughs) you you start kind of kicking yourself down and being like, you know, these few small people that you see that have the really great jobs or the really great relationships, you start to think like, oh, they're just the anomaly, you know, they're the exception. Mm -hmm. And you convince yourself of that, you know? Yeah. You try to find the good in your job. And so that's what I did for a while, even after I knew like this doesn't feel like where I'm supposed to be. I just kept going because they were wonderful to me. They were great people. They Mm. were paying me well. I was doing exciting things. People were looking at me like it was one of those companies where like 10 years ago, this was also unheard of. Like you started and you had four weeks of vacation right off the Uh, bat. Like, yeah, like it was like within my first year, I was like flying to Italy and I was making enough money where I could fly my mom to meet me in Italy. And it was so cool and neat special. And uh, so I focused on those things. It was like, focus on the positive, right? Focus on those things. And I did. And I'll tell you what happened. I stayed there for about, I mean, I stayed there for many years after that. And what happened to me was each year I stayed, I lost more and more confidence in myself and my ability to know like who I am and what I wanted to do and what was interesting to me. And I lost confidence in my ability to make decisions because I felt so unsure about things. You know, it was so confusing for me. And I started to see that like ripple effect into different areas of my life. It was work and then it was my romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and then it was my friendships and my ability to like raise my hand in a really humble but confident way and say like, this is what I love to do. Like, these are the things that I love. These are the hobbies that light me up. These are the kinds of people I love to be with. Um, I just lost all that. I started to really lose all that. And I started to kind of like meld into this other group of people who just all thought the same thing. Like, well, you know, like work is work. You know, I go to it. I just do my job and, you know, it kind of sucks, but all jobs kind of suck. And that mentality, because I was surrounded by a lot of those people that were like, yeah, it's not the best job, but hey, we get to do really cool things. And I was like, okay, okay. And I just kind of went with that. And what I didn't realize was, you know, I was making a decision to stay in this environment and it was affecting my entire life so much so that at a certain point, I found myself so unhappy and and I started working with a life coach and it was more for my relationship. Like I was in this on and off again relationship and I started working with a life coach about the relationship and it turned into a coaching session about my entire life, right? Like about work and family and friends. And it was really like, um, I don't think you're thrilled about any yeah. of this. <laughs> like, I see that you're being very cyclical and finicky about this relationship, which clearly is not the right one for you. Although the guy I was dating was so lovely and nice. And it was just like, everything in your life is really good. And none of it is lighting you up. None of it is making you so happy that you look at your life and you're like, holy crap, I am the luckiest human 
world. And it was like in my brain, I just didn't think that existed. It's so crazy how we convince ourselves that okay or good or decent is enough. Yes. So much of that. This is so like gold. I think so many people feel all of this. And you're right that we are all convinced or programmed or, you know, something has, is drilled within us that you can't have it all. I mean, we've heard it all the time and you start accepting that and, and you accept that to mean like, it's good enough and just be happy, you know, be happy that you have this. And I'm not saying I, I do think gratitude and being grateful for what you have is extremely important, but I think it's a, a very like subtle distinction of you're thinking of some kind of movie or fantasy land, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's in your career and that doesn't exist. So make do with what you have and try to be happy because this is as good as it gets. And we convince ourselves that that's the truth. And I love that you are saying that you noticed that what happens is you may be able to do that for a little while, but that dissatisfaction grows and it starts like permeating other parts of your life. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, that like when you're having maybe problems in a relationship or with your kids or whatever it is, it could be because the source of unhappiness is something else. You know, if like the bulk of your day, you're going somewhere that makes you really unhappy, like that clearly is going to bleed into other things that you're doing. Oh, a hundred percent. It's so funny you you bring that up because when I first started my coaching business, I called myself like very specifically a career and a life coach. And it was very much like when people came to me, they would come to me because they were unhappy in their career. But it was like deep down, they knew they were coming to me as well because it was affecting their entire life. So like our conversations were never solely based on their career. They were based on like who you are as a human and how you want to show up in the world and reminding yourself what you believe in and what you love and taking responsibility for how that's showing up on your calendar, you know? And they were these big holistic life conversations And every single time, like, you know, work takes up 40 plus hours of our week. So to say that it's not going to have a major effect, kind of ripple effect into our family and our friends and the way we feel about ourselves on the weekends is is kind of just ignoring the inevitable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you said earlier, just going back a little bit, you know, and talking about in the even after, you know, two and a half years having that feeling, because I think, you know, People look down on like woo-woo, hippie, and uh, a lot of this like manifestation stuff and whatever, all the other stuff that's kind of becoming more mainstream now. But I think we all know like what our gut feeling is like. And we all have had these like inklings of like something is not right, something with this relationship or with this, like it just doesn't feel right to me. And in our culture, instead of like being taught how to listen to those nudges and follow those nudges and kind of be quiet with ourselves, we're really taught to just like ignore it, push it down, like don't think about it because that's just going to make you more unhappy. And I think that a lot of people, you know, that reach out to me and I talk to too, I'm assuming that you have the same experience even now in your coaching is that, you know, deep down, you know that like this is a fit or it isn't, but you're sort of seeking the validation of others. Like you might be going to coaching or whatever just for like to get a little bit more of like, hey, it's okay to want to be happy or it's okay to leave. But it's funny. I feel like if we were just taught a little more to really sit and like be with our feelings and understand like, why are you having this gut feeling? You know, I feel like if you knew early on, even though this was a quote unquote dream job on paper, it just wasn't right for you. Oh, yes, 100%. And yeah, that's funny that you bring up the woo-woo and the manifestation because 
I love reading about that stuff. Like I love learning about it. It's not a major part of my practice, but I feel like we all have a different dialogue for that because when my gut felt that, felt like it was off, people would be like, oh, that was your intuition. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was my gut. Maybe it was my soul. You know, like I have a friend that calls it a hut. It's when your heart (laughs) and your gut talk to each other. I love that. You know, like I have always been a highly emotional person Mm -hmm. and highly sensitive. And so for me, I kind of speak in the language of like emotional triggers. I can tell when I'm getting triggered emotionally. You know, I can tell when something like that is showing up for me. And for so many years, and this was a personal thing, I hated the fact that I was so emotional because I was in the corporate world, right? So it's like if I had to go in and negotiate and I felt triggered, like I wanted to cry and I'm a good negotiator. Like that's one of my strong suits. Like I can walk in and I can look at things from a very compartmentalized, intellectual, logical place. I can remove my emotion from it. But every now and then my emotion would jump in and I would hate that. And I would just want to like smash that and like get rid of it and push it to the side. And I hated the fact that I was so emotional. And it wasn't until I really came to this sweet spot of loving that part of my emotional self, right? Really looking at like six-year-old Kelsey and being like, hey, you're emotional and guess what? (laughs) That's okay. That's like a superpower of yours. And like the more you kick it to the side and more you ignore it, the more it's actually going to control you. And the more you're going to you know, fight with it and wrestle with it. But when I started to embrace it and really love up on it, I could start to leverage it, right? And I could leverage it in this beautiful way that was like, I could bring my emotional self to the table in negotiations and not let it overwhelm me and make me cry, but realize that like, I'm emotional when I come to the table and I negotiate instead of coming with all my guns blaring and showing up for battle, I actually want to come to the table and look at the person and say, listen, this has to work out for both of us. This has to be mutually beneficial. You have to feel like you're walking out winning. I have to feel like I'm walking out winning. Let's talk about what that looks like. And I figured out through being empathetic and compassionate like that, I actually became a stronger negotiator, a stronger communicator. I was able to thrive so much more in like my corporate space. And as I started to embrace these things about myself, I realized more and more and more why this was not the space for me. And I started to realize, oh gosh, you are really emotional and you do love communication and you love going deep with people. Like maybe you should look into something in that kind of an industry. Like maybe you should be exploring that route if that's what you want to go home late night and Google and search versus, you know, like what advertising campaigns are coming up, you know? So it was really interesting feeling that. So you're starting to feel this and you're starting to kind of go deeper and you mentioned that you had a coach and so you're figuring out this isn't the path for you. I think a lot of times people get stuck though when, you know, going back to like, you know, this is as good as it gets or whatnot, you know, that there's the saying, uh, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. So I think a lot of times people get really worried of like, well, yeah, I'm not happy here, but what if I don't like the next thing either? Like what if I go and I become a coach or I do whatever this thing that I think is calling me and that's not going to be great either. And then I've given this up. I think so many people are so terrified of what they're going to give up and what they're wasting and what they're losing. Uh, Like I wasted all these years getting this degree. I climbed this corporate ladder. So did you have any of those inklings when you were thinking about like making that jump? Were you stuck at all in thinking like, but what if this doesn't work out? What if I hate this next thing too? Oh, oh my gosh. All the time. All the time. <laughs> for sure. I always describe it as I felt like I was going to all of a sudden be stranded on this island of like 
oh crap, I made a mistake. And now there's like no boats to get me off this island. And it's a terrible island and I hate it. (laughs) And why did I give up that other thing that I had? Right. And then you're stranded and you're stuck there, you know? And it's like we forget like that we're resilient human beings that can figure (laughs) things out, you know, because we're paralyzed with that fear, you know? And I'm not someone that's been able to be like this crazy risk taker. It's funny. People will look at me and my career now and this life that I have that I've built and they will be like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just not like you. I, I can't start a podcast. I can't be risky like that. I can't just like become a life coach, you know? And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I resonate with that because I grew up in a place and in a family and a financial situation where I always had to stand on my own two feet. There was not only no handouts, but I was having to be a financial provider in some sort of ways for my family. And so this idea of being financially independent and um, having, you know, my own 401k account and being able to have savings in the bank, like that was my normal standard life. Like I had to have that taken care of. It was not an option for me. So when I started to decide that I needed to explore other options, and that's literally as small as the decision was. It was, for me, I'm not a risk taker. So it wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go do this crazy thing. Although when you hear about what I ended up doing, it (laughs) sounds like that. It was a very calculated decision. Like it started by, okay, this doesn't feel right. Could there be something else? How can I start to explore that? And that is actually, I think, a lot harder for people than other people that are willing to take the risk and just cut ties and just go for it. There's an excitement that comes with that. It's easy. Like it's like a breakup, right? If you fully break it off, like it's easier to move on. Like versus if you're kind of, you know, like, ah, like I'm not really sure we're going to go back and forth, you know, like it's so much harder. But for me, because I knew I needed to have some, my own, my very own independent financial backing. And I was single when I, when I made this jump, I had to do it in a very calculated way. And so I literally started by exploring 15 minutes a day, like 15 minutes a day, I would start to explore little tiny ideas or things that felt exciting to me. And they were all over the map, right? And you always start by brainstorming like a million ideas (laughs) that you think are so cool. And and I always tell people like I have an aversion to the to the word passion. I really hate that word. And and I and I love that because more and more people are coming out talking about how much they hate the word passion, right? This is kind of like a common thing now. Yeah. I mean, I always say you should save the word passion for the bedroom. Like that's <laughs> the only place it belongs because it has this stigma to it now. It's just way too much pressure for people. And I get it. And so, you know, I always say just like listen to your curiosities. Like what are things that you're curious about? those little tiny tugs. And then your job is to follow them. Like your job is to recognize that maybe you've gotten in a pattern of shoving them to the side or saying, oh, that's weird that I'm intrigued by spiders. That's stupid because I'm in marketing. (laughs) Like I'm not going to like explore that, you know, and all these tiny little things we think they're weird or they're stupid or how are they going to help me figure out what my next job or my next step is? And those are often the curiosities that we follow that lead us down to some of the most incredible life experiences that spark these huge passions that we have. And you follow those by doing them in 15 minutes a day. Like you don't follow them by like quitting your job and then going and 
joining like a spider club. <laughs> you just start to explore and understand what you like about these small, small things. And you do it by 15 minutes a day. And that's how I started. I started by exploring everything under the sun, like being a massage therapist to, you know, going back and getting my MBA to going and becoming an art teacher. Like Mm -hmm. I I was exploring everything and through exploring these things, like I followed them. Like I literally ended up sitting in a massage school orientation. (laughs) Like this is it. Like (laughs) I think I'm going to become a masseuse guys. (laughs) I had taken classes. Like I had talked about the courses. I was like, I can have freedom on my own schedule. And I went all the way to the point of sitting in the orientation. Mind you, this is all still when I was doing my nine to five though. And and I really think it's important for people to find a way to dip their toe in the water, you know, like just find a way to test things out in a slightly actionable way. If you think real estate sounds amazing, like that's the dream job. Yeah. Buy a bunch of buildings and then just get this residual income. Then go talk to someone it does real estate. Like go find them on LinkedIn and and reach out and be like, this is a bananas like message you're going to get from me. I know <laughs> it's crazy, but I see you're in my city. Could I take you out to coffee for 20 minutes? Or could I chat with you and interview you for 20 minutes on what it's been like to start in your industry? Like I will tell you nine times out of 10, people are so fascinated by the fact that someone's interested in them that they'll say, sure, I've got 15, <laughs> 20 minutes, you know? And that's how some of the most amazing relationships start. And those things are the things that are going to tell you this is yes or this is a no. Like you're going to hear right off the bat, oh, that's the kind of time and effort you have to put into that? Like, no thanks. Like, I don't want that. Or, whoa, that's what life is actually like. Or, you know, those are when you get to actually make decisions. And I I will tell people, like, you have all these ideas. They're in this, like, middle zone, this gray limbo And the longer those ideas that you're like, yeah, that sounds like a cool career, but I could never do that. Like that's in your gray limbo zone. The longer it's in that gray limbo zone, it is going to suck away your energy. It's going to suck away your confidence. So you need to take it out of that middle zone and either (laughs) prioritize it up at the top or deprioritize it. And the only way you can do that is by doing something slightly actionable about it. You know, like talking to someone, going to a free seminar, like signing up for a class, like some something so simple, but you will decide then like, okay, I'm going to either prioritize or deprioritize this. And that will lead you to a new place. I I mean, I literally want to scream because I love this so much because this is everything that we talk about. Like on the podcast, I just did a webinar and it was all of this stuff. Like one, I think people think they need way more time. Like I know we're all busy and everybody is like, I can't start doing a side hustle or I can't. And I always say like, you know, we all spend way too much time scrolling Instagram or on Netflix. And if you can just put aside an hour here and there, a couple of days a week or 15 minutes, there is so much clarity you can gain. But the problem is we get overwhelmed because we look at the end picture. We think like, I need to figure out, like you said, my passion and I need to figure out what my dream career is. And that just seems so daunting. So I'm just not going to do anything. And it's all about like taking little steps consistently. And again, what you said about reaching out on LinkedIn. I mean, I've told every person that emails me, that's what, like my number one thing. That's what I did when I quit law. I just started going to random meetups. I was like, okay, I can go for an hour and see what these people do. And what the most amazing thing is, I also think it's not just whether you end up liking it or not liking it. So many 
things that I didn't know existed came out of those meetings or talking to those people because people would tell me about jobs I didn't know other people had. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Like, maybe that's something I would like. And especially now into the, like, the online world, it's just such like you can go down so many rabbit holes of like seeing what people do for livings. And you start really seeing how many more possibilities because I remember when I was quitting law, like I really thought like, okay, I either have to get an MBA or, you know, there's like two or three things I can do tops because I was still so stuck in that framework of like, what are possible jobs that I knew of, of like traditional jobs. And now, I mean, now having, you know, been a couple of years onto this journey, I feel like it's just like still endless. I honestly, like one of the most exciting things, which before would have terrified me, but now makes me so thrilled is that I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in two years. You know, like I'm, following this because I love it. I love this podcast. I love the community that's growing and we'll see what happens. And I'm sure I'll discover other things along the way and that might pivot me and that's okay. But we've been taught, like we've been drilled on this, have your five, 10, 15 year plan and have everything figured out. And if you don't know exactly what's going to happen, then somehow your, you know, your security is threatened and it's just so crazy. So I love this advice. I think that's, it's great advice for, even if people are in a even if you're in a career that you do like, even if you want to look at like possibilities of growth, just spend a little bit of time looking at things that you don't know about and talking to people that you can learn something from. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. And it is really, really difficult. I definitely empathize with people that are feeling that pressure and feeling that overwhelm and feeling like finding that time is really hard. And yeah, I'm not happy in my job, but I don't hate it. It could be worse. And I remember talking to one of my clients just last week about the fact that she has this wonderful husband and her and I had both similar experiences where we were on and off with, you know, we have plenty of baggage from our, (laughs) from growing up, you know, and on and off again in relationships that were not right for us. And then we both ended up in these incredible marriages. And I feel, I truly feel like the luckiest human on the planet because of the person that I married. And I remember on my wedding day, just sitting to my mom and she was just like, are you so happy? And I'm like, I legitimately still can't believe this is happening. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I legitimately can't believe this is happening. I feel like the luckiest person in the world to have landed this guy. And we got engaged within six months of dating each other. And we've been together for nine or so years now, but it was very quick. And this idea, I remember being single and I lived in San Francisco and I was single in the city and it's hard being single (laughs) in a big city. And I was, I just had this mentality of just like, you know, what I want or this idea is just, it's a little bit unrealistic Mm -hmm. and had truly just not believing it existed. And when I stopped focusing on that. And I just started focusing on being around men specifically who I really loved. Like Mm -hmm. my goal was just like, Hey, stop focusing on dating, stop focusing on yourself and how broken you are. Like work on yourself, you know, do things you love, but then go be around people and groups and specifically men that you think are good men, you know, like even if they're married or even whatever they are, just like go hang with them, like go be with them for the weekend, go do this. And, and I did, and I spent a weekend with some guys that I thought were just wonderful humans. And it was one of their friends that I ended up 
you know, connecting with on this houseboat trip this one weekend. And I believed, and then all of a sudden ended up in this relationship that, that was so incredible. And I fully had the same experience with my job, like this idea that this is just what it is. And you can't have this thing that feels magical. I ended up in this career that I've been in now and and this coaching and working with people that I adore that I feel the same way about this career. I I like look at my job and my business and I think I cannot believe (laughs) this is what I do. And granted, I did, I created it, right? right. Like I went to the, to the random meetups too. Like I right. so many random meetups right. and some that were bananas and crazy. Yeah, Let's be honest, totally. You know, that I walked away with like nothing in common with anyone and others that were like, oh my gosh, these are my people. And having that experience, you know, and, and going through and doing the work and being scared, but doing it anyways. But yeah, now I have this, this job that I love and, and reminding people that that exists too. Right. Like that is out there. That feeling of that connection that you, if you're in a relationship that you really love, that feeling of finding that person, like you can find that job too. Finding that thing that is not perfect by any means, right. that is going to mess up, that is going to have highs and lows, but you just know it's the right thing for you. And you feel so lucky to be a part of it. Like that exists for the job. And that's like what I want to help people not only believe, but like find, you know? I love that. And it's such an example that we need. And I agree. I I think if you can find one person that can set that example for you, then you know it's possible. Then there's no reason it can't happen for you. So why don't you tell us what your business is? So you went to a life coach and how did you decide that you wanted to start getting involved in coaching? So again, it was a process of exploring so many different routes and so many different avenues. Like I said, I, I sat in a massage school orientation, right? And thought that was it until I realized like the first thing we were going to have to do is like volunteer hours and massage people. And I was like, oh, I don't want to touch other people's bodies. Like <laughs> people were like, well, that's what your job would be, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm so glad I went through all those <laughs> you know, steps to figure out this is not it. I mean, I flew down and sat with a high school counselor at one point because I thought I wanted to be like a high school or junior college counselor. And I sat and I shadowed her for a whole day. And I will never forget, I was working on a project with U2 at the time up in San Francisco. And, you know, I had scheduled this day as like no meetings, nothing was planned. I was taking the day off to go down and have a personal day, you know, and go shadow like a high school counselor down in my hometown. And it was like the one day that like Bono finally <laughs> could get on the phone and rescheduled his call. And I realized I was literally sitting with like the high school counselor and she was writing detention slips telling me how, Kelsey, you're not going to like this job. (laughs) Like what you want to do is shift and change and mold people's lives. And honestly, what I do is a lot of paperwork. Like it sounds bad. And she's like, and I do shift and mold people's lives, but probably not as much as you want to. And all the while I'm getting text messages that Bono wants to get on the phone. (laughs) And I realized like, okay, like this is definitely not the right place for me, you know? And I felt it and I was able to cross it off my list. So I had heard of life coaching, but because I was in the corporate world and I I just had a stigma around it, I couldn't wrap my brain around becoming a life coach. It just sounded too woo-woo to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, but I first was introduced to it in that massage school orientation. Like they were talking about life coaching as this like other certification. And I was like, oh, like that sounds bananas and crazy. So (laughs) I, but I heard about it, you know, so it was kind of on my brain. And then I ended up quitting my job. 
And I had saved up enough money to have like six months of like savings Mm -hmm. and had decided if at six months, I don't know what I'm going to do next. um, I would just go back and get another advertising job. So like I very much kept my foot in the advertising world. I literally talked to recruiters before I quit my other job and was like, listen, this is my timeframe. I may be reaching out to you. So I was very calculated and like giving myself a little bit of a buffer and I wanted to go travel. I had never like spent time abroad or traveled. So I went and I traveled with my now husband and we bought a one-way ticket to Australia. We went very, we, we like sold all of our stuff and we bought a one-way ticket to Australia and we were going to have this like epic six months of traveling together. And because we both knew that once we came back, we were probably going to have to get solid nine to five jobs again, right. you know, but we both had a dream of, you know, saving up a little bit of money and then maybe exploring these other careers. Right. And so when we traveled, I really, really went deep into my exploration and used a lot of my time off to go search and explore. And every place we went, I started to get more and more infatuated with coaching and different kinds of coaching, relationship coaching, career coaching, like being a marriage and family therapist, like that work of being a healer and a helper and connecting with people one-on-one, I really started to get interested in. And even like things where you were being a business consultant consultant I thought was fascinating. So every country that we went to, we started in Australia and New Zealand and we ended up like bopping around even places like Bulgaria and Turkey and all of Western Europe. I would meet with different people there and I would reach out to them. I would find them online and I would have coffee with different life coaches Mm -hmm. and relationship coaches and business consultants in different parts of the country. And I started to hear about what their life was like. And some were, again, crazy, right? Like some I was sat down with and I was like, I should probably have my husband here. Like, (laughs) you know, and other people were incredible that I still keep in contact with today. Right. And then we ended up in London and I had never been to London. I was so excited. We had all these visions of like being on the red bus and going all over the place. And the night before we got into London, I saw this like free coaching seminar, you know, Mm. for life coaching and And I don't know why, but I felt the tug. And I like looked at my now husband and was like, I don't know why, but I have to go to this. And it was like a three and a half day free coaching thing. And he was like, we're literally in London for four days. (laughs) You cannot do this. Like, this is a terrible decision. London is going to be one of your favorite places ever. Like, why would you do this? You don't even want to become a life coach. Like, you think it's dumb. And I'm like... I don't know. I just feel like I have to go. And like worst case is I go for the first few hours. I hate it. And then I'll come meet you at the pub. Like he was like, all right, like this sounds crazy. And I will tell you, it was a pain in the butt to get there. Like I had to jump on like eight different buses. (laughs) It was pouring down rain. I got lost and I ended up finding the place and it was this shady hotel, you know, (laughs) with like bad coffee and like horrible lighting. And I walked in and I sat down in this really weird like side hotel room. And the woman started to talk about coaching. And the second she went into talking about what coaching was and how it was all about becoming who you really are meant to become and helping people figure that out and to understand how they want to show up in the world. It was like all the things she was saying, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is where I'm meant to be. Like this is the kind of stuff I care about and that I want to stay at home and learn about. And I want to talk to people late night about, and, and I just loved it. And I loved the people sitting next to me. Like we were all kind of misfits 
and very different. And the, the thing about London and when I first got my certifications is I was sitting next to licensed psychologists and like heads of HR and CEOs. And I was sitting next to this very corporate, like it was a very corporate setting. Mm. And the difference was out there at the time in Europe, it was much, much more accepted to have a life coach come in and work with your employees. Right. And it wasn't quite as accepted in the States at that time. When I was sitting next to like the heads of HR and they were talking about how important this is for their employees and how they want to hire life coaches to come in and work with their employees, it was like I started to see a future for myself because I envisioned myself still in the corporate world. And so I was like, oh my gosh, if I could have my own business and my own hours, Hours, and I could come in and help people that are unhappy in their nine to fives and find out who they really are and what lights them up, that would be the dream. And so it introduced me to it. I fell in love. I decided to get like all the certifications possible mm-hmm. under the sun, right? You know, I, I, I needed to be internationally certified. I needed to be certified in life coaching and business coaching and, you know, personal coaching and professional coaching and motivational and positive psychology and emotional intelligence. And, but the thing was, I got the certifications because I loved it, you know, like I loved learning about this right. stuff and, and I was lit up by it. And that's how I just knew this is where I was meant to be. And then I started my practice. I was literally in Bulgaria couple months later, and I reached out to some of the heads of HR that I had met and some of the heads of HR that I had known back in the corporate world. And I said, hey, I'm starting this business. I think I can really help people. And I want to know if, if you think that you need any help. And I started doing that. And then, I mean, fast forward to now, I've worked and done huge workshops and spoken to thousands of people at places like Facebook That's and amazing. Twitter and, you know, traveled all over the country and the world to do this and worked with just some amazing, amazing humans to not only figure out how to be happier in their career, but how to transition out of that career if that's not right for them. And then it's really evolved in the last few years into how to start and really scale their business. And it's been so fun to be on that journey with people because it starts in career transition and it's very ambitious people that are kind of similar to me and know they have to have, like they can't just quit their job and start a passion job for like $2 an hour, right? Like they're like, no, I need to quit my job and I need to start something that's going to give me the same kind of financial security that this corporate job did. And I'm like, I hear you, sis. Like, right, right. That's important. Like I don't believe in like just finding a passionate job that doesn't pay you money. Like, absolutely not. You have so many strengths and skills and we can build something for you that that does create the same kind of financial stability and maybe in a schedule and in a way that's way better for you and for your family and the season of life you're in. So that's what I help people do now. And I get to work with incredible people like Marie Forleo right. and you know, she's brought me on to help with B-schoolers and just, uh, it's, it's amazing yeah. the people... It, like those are my mentors, right? That are like calling me up to come help them now. It's it's bananas. It's that so is fun. incredible. I mean, there's so much that I want to ask about. One of I mean, since you left it off with that, I mean, you've worked with some really big names. And how did you get into that? Like, how does one reach out to somebody that you consider a mentor or somebody that you want to work with that you know maybe a celebrity status or somebody you know that maybe is a couple steps ahead of you, has a bigger audience. How did you start kind of gaining those inroads into bigger clients? Yeah. No, it's a great question. And for me, 
I think everybody takes a different route based off their personality, right? I'm not much of a hustler. I will tell you that. Like my job nowadays is I don't work Mondays and I don't work Fridays because I have a little three-year-old and I love to spend those days with her. And even on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I only really work from like nine to three-ish. And to be able to create that kind of schedule and make the same amount and more than I was at my corporate job was my dream, right? So, you know, you have these people that you follow and these dreams that you have financially, and there are different ways to get to them and depending on your personality. Now, I'm not a hustler and I'm not an extrovert. So I'm an introvert, which doesn't help, right? Because (laughs) I'm not fueled by being at all the meetings right? Like I'm not fueled at doing a bunch of public speaking. It's why podcasting is my favorite because I can sit and have this kind of like intimate one-on-one conversation and then it can be shared with multiple people. But I don't have to get on a stage, you know, like I don't have to do things that really, really take a lot of my energy up. So for me, it really was just slowly um, saying yes to a lot of things and also believing that I could do these things. Like I remember when I first wanted to, I wanted to work with Facebook and Twitter and places like that. And they were kind of like, yeah, it's the same conversation you have if you're transitioning into a different job. You have that small little voice in your head that says, yeah, I mean, I'd love to do that job, but I couldn't do it, you know? And usually that's when I stop people. I'm like, let's stop right there and let's talk about that. And let's talk about why you couldn't do it, like what it is about that you love. Not because I'm going to say, yes, you should quit your job and go become a rock star, you know? But I want to know what it is about that you love because from an offshoot of that, we can probably create 20 other options. So for me, it's really a constant practice of hearing that voice in my head that says like, yeah, well, the dream would be to work with Marie Forleo, but that's ridiculous, you know? And it's like, hold on, like if that's the dream, then how can you slowly and slowly and slowly put yourself in a situation where that may be possible? And, you know, for me, like Marie's a great example, right? Because she's like someone that I get a lot of questions around, like, how did you end up connecting with her? And Well, you start by consuming all her content, you know, like, is this someone that you want to really, truly be connected with for deep rooted reasons? Or is it someone that just seems awesome to be connected with? So the more I consumed Marie's content, the more I loved her as a person, you know, I, you know, researched the crap out of her, like, and her personal relationship and dug and dug and dug. And she was one of the people, and there's many people that I followed in the beginning. She was one of the people that I really liked as a human. I really liked her value set. I really liked things about her. And so I just was continuously doing things. And she was just continuously kind of in that like mental vision board of mine of someone that I would in a dream world like to have at my dinner table at one point. I never really said I would like to work with Marie. I always said like, I'd like to have her at my dinner table, you know? And I'm also not the ambitious type of person that's like, oh, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, that's not really my personality. (laughs) Like, I'm kind of like, I really want to have a great husband and a great family life. And I want to, you know, like be able to go on vacations and have peace of mind and then hopefully have a really successful career, like period. I don't have these big, grandiose, huge dreams that I, I feel like I go after. But the more and more that I've gotten to know myself, the more I realize like, 
I do have things that I would love and I do want them for deep down personal reasons. And so that's where kind of the Marie thing started to come up more and more for me. And I just continued to be around her. Like I continued to consume her content. I looked at who she was promoting and looked at Gabby and Chris Carr and all these other people. And I consumed their content and I followed them and I would follow and I would comment on them. I was a true supporter of them. And I would recommend them for things, you know, like not that they would ever know, but like when I had friends that worked at other places that were working on projects with women, I would be like, hey, you should check these people out. I love them. I think they're really great people. I don't know them personally, but you should check them out. And so I would promote their work for other people. You know, I would promote them to other people just out of like the good nature of truly believing that they were good for the world and the more exposure they got, the better. And then eventually, like one thing led to another, and I had recommended Marie to a friend of a friend, and they had brought her in on a podcast, and she was going to be in town in LA, and they were going to bring her in to do a record, and that friend of a friend was like, yeah, hey, remember how you recommended this random chick, Marie Forleo? Mm -hmm. Well, she's going to come in, and we're going to do a record with her. If you want, you can grab coffee with us. And I was like, cool, that's like on my dream list. Amazing. (laughs) And you know, we ended up grabbing coffee and it was a quick coffee, no more than like 20 minutes. Grabbed a quick coffee and talked nothing of business. Talked about like women's rights and, you know, like life in general. And I just reached out and just stayed in touch with her. And when the time came where she needed some extra help for her business, she just reached out to me and said, hey, I I would love to hire you and to have you come help me on a couple things. And then that grew. And, you know, what helped her with a couple things grew to more things. And it was truly, I think, one of those things where you, if it's something you believe in, if that's a human you want to connect more with, like to go be part of their world, to actively consume their content, to see who their mentors are and to consume that content and to, when you hear their speaking, go see them speak. When they offer a course or a class, go take it, like learn from them. And eventually you never know, like, you know, I sat and watched a movie with Marie a little while ago and we sat and cried tears and had wine afterwards. Like, you know, like those are the things that will eventually come from, I think, truly following people you love. I love that. I love that. And I do think when you kind of seek to add value, you know, I think you are seeking to help and connect people and not you know, kind of be out there for like, what can I get out of it? It just tends to come back to you. So I guess wrapping this up, two things. One, can you tell us a little bit about like why people go to life coaches? I know you were talking about the stigma and I think a lot of people may still have that. And I do think a lot of people would benefit from using a life coach or career coach. So can you kind of explain to people like, you know, who a life coach is best for, like what it will help you in your life with? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there are different kinds of life coaches and just coaching, I feel like is a wild, wild west of industries, right? (laughs) Like anyone can kind of be a coach. So like you definitely want to do your research. And I would say if you're feeling particularly for like me and my industry, like I'm usually working with people that are feeling stuck and they're feeling stagnant, but they feel that off feeling. They feel like something is off and I'm not really happy with where I'm at um, with my work. And usually it stems from work when people come to me and it's either I really need to either find traction in my business. You know, I just started a business, but I'm not getting a ton of traction or I'm in this nine to five world and I don't know if I should quit or stay, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if, 
if I should leave this. And if I do leave it, oh, dear Lord, what would I do next? Would I start my own thing because I'm not much of an entrepreneur or would I find a new job? Like that doesn't sound like it'd be better than quitting. Those are kind of the places that people are at when they come to work with me. And like I will tell people, I really believe I'm a great coach, but I'm a horrible coach for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I could never look at my life and see the perspective that my own coaches and therapists see and give to me, right? Like they're able to look and say, Kelsey, you've been circling on this one thing for the last six months. Here's the roadblock. And when someone else can identify that for you and say, this is the roadblock, let's get over it together. Sometimes you can get over it so quickly, or this is the opportunity you're missing. Like we need to lean into that. And those tiny shifts that I think someone else that can come at you with, with this new perspective, like identifying those blind spots, it just makes such a ripple effect in your whole life. So I think people that are feeling that stuck, they feel like it's off. They're not hundred percent sure what to do next, or maybe they've thought of some things, but they truly need someone to guide them through it and help them through it. I think that's where coaching plays such a strong role. And I will tell people like, go to a coach, but go to them and, and get like a free 15, 20 minute chat or session with them and decide whether that's your person or not. It's the same thing with dating. Like you'll feel it right away. You'll be like, okay, this is my person. Let's give this a shot. Or like something doesn't feel right, but maybe I'll go for it. Like, no, that's not your coach then. Like there's there's plenty of coaches out there. Like you'll feel the chemistry or you'll feel the connection right away. And if that person gets you, then I think it could be the best investment you make of your entire life. Like for me, it was hands down. It shifted my entire trajectory with my work with the person that I married, with the way that my marriage is now, with the way I I work with clients now, it shifted everything for me. So if you're in that place of indecision, Mm. I think having someone guide you through that next step, through that transitional period is kind of crucial, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that the sooner we realize that none of us can see our blind spots, like we can't see our biases. And when other people can call them out on us, it just speeds up that process. Like you may ultimately get to that place and it's a lot of loneliness and confusion and struggle. And if there's someone that has a couple steps ahead and has done it and can guide you and really knows the questions to kind of pull that out of you, it just makes the process so much simpler. Like it could just be so much easier than we let it be. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love that. Well, where can people find you if they want to hear more or maybe connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, they can go to KelseyMurphy.com or follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Murphy. You will see me and my husband and a lot <laughs> of my rambunctious three-year-old running around, but you'll also see things that I'm working on. And I do a ton of like free classes and, you know, I try to provide as much free content as possible. Um, I have a podcast that's called Whiskey and Work and we do two podcasts a week. So we do an interview with someone awesome. And then we do a little solo show that's just like actionable, tangible steps for, you know, everything from having um, positive affirmations with your kids (laughs) to staying motivated when you feel like crap to making big decisions in your career and in your business. We cover the game when it comes to goal setting and motivation and inspiration and like work and life. So I would head over there. Yeah, it's a great podcast. You should absolutely check it out. I love listening. And I will link to all of that in the show notes in case people can't write it down. Thank you so much for joining us, Kelsey. This was incredible. 
Oh, thank you. It's so refreshing to be able to have these conversations. So I love what you're doing. I love that you are making this, you know, a priority for, you know, yourself and for other people. It's such a special thing. And and I love that you're leveraging podcasting and creating really meaningful, intentional content out in the world. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. How amazing is Kelsey? I loved that conversation. And here are my three takeaways. One, That feeling you have in your gut, yeah, stop ignoring it. We all have that for a reason. Listen to those nudges. It's trying to tell you something. Two, passion is overblown. Follow your curiosities. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just give yourself 15 minutes a day to figure out what you're curious about and follow those rabbit holes. See where it leads you. And three, that perfect job exists. I know we like to convince ourselves that we just can't have it all and that it's not meant for us, but that's not true. You just have to have the courage to figure out how to get there. And with that, I will see you all on another episode of Lessons from a Quitter. Thank you so much for listening. I can't tell you how much it means to me. If you liked the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It'll help other people find the show. If you want to connect or reach out, follow along on Instagram and Facebook at Lessons from a Quitter and on Twitter at Quitter Podcast. I would love to hear from you guys and I'll see you on the next episode.